Anyway. <laughs> okay, Gabby, how, how's it going? Good. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm in LA. I'm enjoying the nice weather to the extent that I can outside of my house, but still socially distant and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Um, this is Real Talk Beyond the Headlines. Hashtag RTBTH. Today we have your wonderful co-host, Tunde. And Herschel and Ahi are not here. F*** you guys. Okay? This is my podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the reason why they're not here is because I'm interviewing Gabby Clark, who graduated with us from Emory University. No, sorry. You didn't graduate with us. You graduated on your own time. But we <laughs> went to Emory together. And I don't know if you remember, but you were the very first guest on the podcast many years ago. I do. I, I do remember. I feel like we, we talked about sports and tennis. Yeah. You also did <laughs> some other things as well. Yeah, you dropped some knowledge about um I believe there were there was some things going down in Chicago. I know there was a a protest on that one street, the mile. That's right. Yes. And, the magnificent mile. That's right, that's right. Yeah, you dropped some 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 knowledge on us about the mayor at the time, Rahm Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, would just hope that you can drop some more knowledge on us today. Um, I'm doing my best. Welcome back to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. Um, okay, so let me run down what we're doing today for the listeners. But a while ago, I did a podcast with another Emory person, Jeff. I, I entitled it, Where Are They Now? I still don't like the name, but we're going to go with that. I don't like the name of the segment, but it describes what this podcast is perfectly, which is to talk about where people who are doing big things and will do bigger things where they are in their journey. And I think you are a great person to talk to because you're at an interesting time. Um, So let's talk about some of that. First of all, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations for graduating from the Anderson School of Business. Is that is that what it's called? Um, Anderson School of Management. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> with with your MBA um, at UCLA, how does it feel to be uh, to have recently graduated? Um, how does it feel to be done? Yeah, well, I would say the first feeling that is top of mind is, of course, it feels like a accomplishment, and there definitely is a sense of pride there in um, accomplishing accomplishing this feat. But then, because we're in a global pandemic, it also feels extremely weird because my spring looked extremely different than I otherwise would have imagined being that all my classes were online, which of course was completely different than my experience up until that point. And then also the big elephant in the room is the job search. And so I feel like the job search has been a little bit more challenging than it would have despite um, a pandemic. So overall, you know, feels great to have my MBA but at the same time, it's a weird time to be finishing an MBA. Yeah, I I hear where you're coming from. You know, I obviously all of us have had to contend with a global pandemic, as you said. But part of the reason why I wanted you on the podcast is because um, you just accomplished something pretty significant. Um, but you're doing that in the context of a global pandemic. Um and as I said earlier, you know, the, the segment is where are they now? Um, I mean, you've done big things leading up to the to graduating and you will do big things in the future. But this is where you are on your journey now. So, you know what? How are you coping with hashtag pandemic life and hashtag social <laughs> distancing? Yeah, so I'd say the first two months um, I actually was in Chicago. So I was back home. 
And I I went to Chicago for the weekend going to my sister's bridal shower. And it just so happens around March 12th when I was home, that's when things started to shut down and um, the hysteria was really in the United States. And so I stayed in Chicago uh, past the three days that I was supposed to be there and ended up staying there for two months. So at the beginning, it was actually really nice to be home um, where I grew up, in the house where I grew up and with my parents um, and to have to have company while we were just going through these really weird times. And even though I wasn't going outside and wasn't really walking around because it was cold in Chicago, it was still nice to have my parents there for um, just if I needed to talk to someone or just to have that comfort. Um, And I, I was really, really thankful for that opportunity because I live by myself in LA. And so after Mother's Day, I ended up coming back to LA um, and the weather had turned here, so it was a bit nicer and, um, I could go outside some and classes again were online. So that was fine. And it's just since being back in LA, it's definitely been ups and downs. Um, and I think maybe part of that is because I do actually live by myself. Um, but it has been nice to be able to like go on hikes with some friends at times when I want to or just like walk around the neighborhood and have the sun shining and (laughs) seeing palm trees. But every day is a little bit different. Like today I woke up and didn't feel inspired at all to do anything. Um, And it just feels so weird on a Monday. Like usually I think it's the beginning of the week and starting the week off well, but every day in quarantine kind of feels the same and time doesn't really matter. And so- yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of ups and downs, but thankful for my health and thankful that I'm in a position where I can be in L.A. and live alone and do the things that I want to do um, on a day to day basis. I hear you. I live alone, too. I live in a studio and it, it can feel claustrophobic sometimes. So I I feel you on that. Um, Herschel and. And me and Ehi were joking on a previous podcast about how the pandemic feels like like you have a lot of time on your hands, but you're also really busy at the same time. I don't know. It's a weird feeling, but I sympathize with the feeling of the Mondays. I typically feel very productive, but I guess the pandemic has taken that out of me on occasion. Um, But. I'm glad to hear that you're doing pretty good and, and you're staying active, it sounds like. Um, I've gone on walks and it feels really good to have the sun uh, beaming down on you. Um, okay, so let's go back to the job search, as you mentioned. So, you know, as I, as I said, like you're in a weird transition period. Um, I know that you've posted about like internships you had. I know that you're a stellar job applicant. I just know this. All right. So, um, but, but you're in an interesting time. So tell us like what, what you're going through. Yeah. So I'll start with um, where I was at the beginning of the pandemic. So I, I had an internship at the time and while going to school And I was working in the cannabis industry and um, for an e-commerce cannabis platform, which is here (laughs) here in Venice, California. And it's it's awesome. Like I never thought that I would live um, or work rather work in cannabis. And it's been great to just get some insight into that industry. And I was doing like data marketing analytics and um like growth strategy for for the the company. And I really loved doing that and I was about to start ramping up. So in our winter quarter, I was working about one day a week. And in the spring, me and my CEO, we had conversations about me starting to ramp up my involvement, coming in three days a week as my course load got, um, you know, got, got lighter towards, towards graduation. But Mm -hmm. through the pandemic, that all just 
stopped abruptly. And so at the beginning of April, I was let go, um, you know, all in good faith. And I definitely understood where the company was coming from. So was that all just was that all just like like a finance thing? Like obviously sales may not be quite as good right now, but was it just like we can't even take the risk right now or or were they struggling with their finances? Yeah, it was more the the risk part. So because there are so many unknowns with the economy, whether things would open up in a month, three months you know, six months, a year, they were just being risk averse. So even though like April 1st was towards the beginning that everything shut down in the U.S., they could see that there was so much unknown that they didn't want to keep me on through that process. So really smart of them considering a lot of states are going through their second wave right now, but not as much finance driven since they are pretty well funded as a startup. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so then from there, um, just decided not to continue to work this quarter and just focus on school and focus on being as happy as I could during quarantine. And now, or I guess starting around the beginning of May, I really started applying to jobs for full-time positions. And I've been, one thing that's changed about quarantine for me is that I've definitely opened up the places where I'm applying and jobs that I would be okay with doing. So before, before quarantine, I was thinking I want to do strategy at a tech company that also has an entertainment arm. So something like um, Apple Studios or Amazon Studios or even a place like like Netflix, and again, like I wanted that finance or that strategy function it's switching from my finance background. But now, because I really will take more jobs, or I'll be open to more jobs because of the current climate. I'm also looking at finance, even though I went to business school to switch out of finance. I've looked at a few accounting jobs, which I did a couple of years back. Um, I'm also looking at operations. So in terms of how the job search has changed for me, it's kind of opened my eyes to being willing to do different jobs than I expected I would coming out of business school. Um, And I've been getting some interviews here and there. So honestly, I can't really complain in terms of how the job search has been going for me. I would say that my success rate or callback rate is very low, but it's not anything unexpected. Like I've probably applied to uh, 55-ish jobs since, um, since I've been looking and I've heard back from like three or four in terms of getting interview invitations. Um, so it's definitely low, but I've gotten those invites and been able to move through some processes and I haven't gotten a full-time offer yet, but I know something is around the corner. I'm just going to speak it into existence and um, yeah, I'll just, I'll continue to be patient. Thankfully I, I have the means to be able to stay in LA for a couple more months, even without a job, I don't need to move back to Chicago or move home. So I want to be patient and make sure I find something that I'm really excited about. Um, coming out of business school. Okay. Okay. Gabby, thanks for sharing that information. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely challenging times. I hear you on being patient. Um, you know, I know about you and, you know, I remember you from Emory and we'll get into your tennis career because I looked up some of your information and I was pretty <laughs> astonished, but we'll talk about that later. I know that you'll, I know that you'll definitely find your way. It's challenging Obviously, you know, the the nation is dealing with unprecedented times right now. You know what? I want to tap into your business knowledge. Okay. Um, So I here in Boston, the cannabis industry was, um, I believe, an essential industry. 
the medical cannabis industry, at least. I don't think rec was. And I presume something similar in California. So I'm like, you tell me you're working at a cannabis company. I'm like, this is this is the time to ramp it up, you know. But in general, how do you think that businesses are dealing with this? I guess, um, you know, large businesses or small businesses, because even going back into the entertainment industry, this is the time like everyone is downloading all of the Netflixes and the Disney pluses. I'm sure that they're trying to ramp up the uh, content because everyone is using the internet so much more using um, these streaming platforms so much more. So, so what is the landscape? If you don't mind dropping some knowledge on us. Yeah, well, I'll start with just all businesses have struggled or had to pivot because of the current climate. Like even I was even starting some Google interview processes and Google was having a hiring freeze or they were hiring slower. So if one of the biggest companies in the world is having those challenges, then of course the small startups as well are having those challenges, even if it is um, an, an essential service. To go to the streaming channels, so you're correct. Like I've downloaded additional streaming platforms since quarantine. I've been watching a lot more movies, a lot more series, um, as have a lot of people in this country and all over the world. But those companies, I believe, are more so struggling on the production side. So the content that they had coming to the platform already before coronavirus, they'll be putting on the platform um, and, you know, they'll have their their schedule or they'll be ramping up, um, bring it on, bringing it on to the platform quicker. But places like Netflix, Netflix's studio or Amazon Studios, anything that they had in production and say that they were trying to release in September or October onto their platform has completely stopped. So because of that, you realize that your pipeline coming onto the platform is going to be depleted as this quarantine continues to happen. And (laughs) again, like with how the U S is basically on our second wave right now, it's just, it's just getting longer and longer. So then they have to really consider, okay, we have a certain amount of content that was developed and finished before we hit coronavirus. How are we going to schedule that release onto our platform such that people who want to see movies, want to see TV, who are at home have enough content for them to stay onto our platform? But then how do we get new people onto our platform And generally, that's through coming out with new movies, new TV shows. Mm -hmm. And so there is kind of like this catch-22 because they have they have enough at this time, but it's going to it's going to run out. And right now, based on the people that I know in the entertainment industry on the directing side and just actors as well, they are not seeing any production happen anytime soon. And so that's what I would say is um, an interesting area for the entertainment companies. And of course, the streaming channels are doing really well, Um, especially as people cable cut um, during during this time. But the other production or entertainment options, like, of course, movie theaters and um you know, just different entertainment events are are struggling more so than the streaming platforms. I see. Wow. I had a very simplistic view about this before. I was thinking like <laughs> Disney Plus is, you know, drop all the content on there. You know, we've got like three to six months of content, you know, but it makes perfect sense. Like in any industry, you have to sort of manage the pipeline and um, I was just thinking, you know, Netflix has got to have a bunch of content ready to go. I mean, that's pretty much what they do. They're dropping new stuff all the time. But the way you explain it, thank you, Gabby, for dropping knowledge on us. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it makes a lot of, of sense. And, you know, the what you said about Google is just like 
unbelievable. Google is like <laughs> chilling out. I mean, they're worth a trillion dollars or whatever amount they're worth. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I was equally surprised by that when I got emails back from recruiters saying, oh, we're, we're actually going to halt this hiring process on XYZ job. So at that point, I thought to myself, well, if, if it's Google and they're going through these struggles, then I, I know that I have to be patient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Speaking of patience, let's go back in time. Let's uh, think about, let's, let's visualize. Okay. Let's go back in time to, to a much better time. Long before the pandemic, say approximately March 15th, 2020, um, when things were much nicer. Well, no, no, actually let's go back even further than that. When you studied for the GMAT and then you applied to UCLA, I saw a little bit about this on your Instagram. You use visualization techniques. I <laughs> am a psychologist in training. I am a trained mental health counselor. I am a big believer of visualization. Um, but you, you, you know, did some pretty nifty stuff with studying for the GMAT. Um, and you use visualization to uh, propel you towards these goals. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I first learned about visualization through various sports psychologists that I used to work with when I was growing up and playing tennis. Mm -hmm. And they would explain, you know, see yourself winning this particular point or see yourself serving the ball into this spot. And I really felt that that helped as a way to just be balanced and stay calm. And so when I decided that I wanted to come to UCLA and start the business school program in the fall of 2018, at that point, I made the decision um, November 2017, and my application was due January 5th. So mid-November, I hadn't done any studying for the GMAT. I had never done the GMAT. I hadn't done any applications for business school, and I wanted to apply in a month, essentially a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And... So what I did was I bought a, a study guide. I bought Magoosh, which was awesome. I tell everyone, like, it's the cheapest option out there, and it, it prepared me extremely well. Mm -hmm. And I would go to work from 9 to 5, get home around 6, and then take a little time for myself and start studying from 7 to midnight or 1 a.m. And I did that every single work day. And then on the weekends, I would take one day off and study maybe like 10 hours on, on the other, on the other day. Sheesh. And so, yeah, it was, it was a lot, but I was desperately trying to leave my job, trying to get to LA and do something different and, and trying to leave New York. So I had to be that disciplined. And then something that got me through that time, which of course, was challenging was to buy a UCLA baseball cap. Okay. Um, and so I bought it. It got me excited. And then although I wasn't playing tennis anymore, I thought back to what my psychologist had taught me and what we had practiced about getting through tough times. And because I knew I wanted to get to UCLA in the business school program so badly, I thought that visualization could be a good tool to help me achieve that. And of course, you don't know how it manifests, whether that means being more disciplined in studying or whether that means actually taking a test better or writing um, clearer in your essays. But I thought back to visualization, I had this baseball cap. And so to myself, I, every night I put on my cap, I took a picture of myself with the UCLA logo on the front so that I could see myself in this, in UCLA attire and through that, see myself on campus starting in the fall of 2018. Mm -hmm. And 
in addition to that, each night when I would go to sleep, I would think through some problems in my head and visualize taking the tests well, like sitting down on test day, being calm, coming into problems, um, questions rather, not problems, coming to the questions and feeling prepared and answering them um, appropriately. And so, yeah, I, I think I had my first picture on like <laughs> November 18th and I took the GMAT on December 27th. And so I had a picture for every day in my hat. Um, and that's what you saw on Instagram. Just a few of those <laughs> silly ones where it went from just looking nice and normal to some looking crazy because I put some crazy Snapchat filter on to some where I looked extremely fatigued because it was probably 1 a.m. and I had been studying. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cool tool for me. I enjoyed doing it and, uh, you know, who's who's to say how much it really helped. But here I am two years later and graduated from UCLA. <laughs> I, I think it helped uh, a good amount. Probably, you know, maybe not. It it probably didn't construct your whole entire experience because you had a lot going on before that. You know, I mean, you've used visualization, I presume, in many areas of your life. But maintaining that practice is so essential um, as a person who studies mental health and psychology. This this brings to mind mindfulness which I think a lot of people are familiar with these days, meditation, but the ability to sort of direct your attention. Um, and if you're directing it to things that you visualize, you're kind of creating the experience and preparing yourself for when you encounter these experiences in real life. I, uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, infatuated with, with, your story. So thanks for telling us about that. Uh, I want to, I want to repeat a quote from the song, both by Gucci Mane featuring Drake. This is Drake's <laughs> line, but he goes, um, uh, he says, shout out Yachty, but this ain't a little boat. This some shit I wrote about when I was broke. See the power of the mind is not a joke. And, uh, I think your story explains that or exemplifies that perfectly well um okay gabby tell us about business business school uh two years um i didn't know that ucla was on a quarter system so you were pounding the paint um tell us about the grind mode tell us about your hustle um what did you gain from b school or business school i don't know mba school (laughs) it is a grind you start in the summer, at least at UCLA, you start in with a shortened, abridged quarter um, in August, and then you go into the fall quarter in at the end of September. But that summer quarter is really the only chill time that you have. The reason they do it summer quarter is because they're trying to ease you into coming back to school, getting back into the swing of things. You don't have a full class schedule and you're not really doing any recruiting. So it's great that you just get to move to LA, you get to get your bearings, um, you get to meet your classmates and bond in that first month and a half. But then, oof, once you hit the fall quarter, it's just a grind from there for the remaining two years. Are you you taking courses every single quarter from that point to graduation or is your summer off? Your summer in between is off. You'll be doing an internship. Okay. Well, still grinding. (laughs) Exactly. And so in business school, we say that there are three things that you can focus on. One is academics. And the second is recruiting. So finding a job, which is why most of us are there. And then the last one is your social life. And so that is extremely accurate and more true than I expected when people first told me that. So when you start the fall quarter, that first year, companies start coming to campus and visiting and having company presentations, 
bringing representatives, bringing recruiters, and talking about the job opportunities that they have full-time, but also for internships and how to connect with them. And of course, you're trying to make the best impression that you can. So you're going to as many companies as you can. You're doing a lot of research in the nights um, and, and preparing during the day with your classmates and with the career center. And these events are like three or four hours every, almost every single day during the fall quarter. And so that's a lot in itself. And then you have academics. You're again, back in classes. Some of these classes are classes that I didn't take at Emory. So completely new material for me. And you'll have your readings every night. You'll have to prepare for the cases so that you can be ready and participate in class because that's really how you get the learning experience. And then on top of that, you have the social aspect. And I'm sure you've heard with business school, people think, oh, isn't business school just all partying? Like, yes, <laughs> there is a lot of partying um, and there's a lot of traveling. So the grind really comes in between how do you manage all of those different priorities? And for me, I think that I've been really successful in deciding which of those priorities I give time to and how much. And one thing that has alleviated that decision is that UCLA, along with a lot of other business schools, or at least some business schools, has a grade non-disclosure policy. And so when, I'll just use Google as an example again, if Google comes to campus and they ask you, what's your GPA, you can tell them zero point zero because we have a grade non-disclosure policy where we don't share our grades. And so that really helps take off some of the pressure of academics and helps place, um, give you more time to put towards recruiting and social, um, which for me were extremely important to the business school experience. And so that's really how the first year is throughout the entire year. The fall is just more of a grind because it's the first time you see it. Um, but yeah, that, that first year is, is really a struggle and it will be a struggle until you get your internship. And so I was lucky enough to get an internship offer by the end of January, which I got from Google. And so after starting in February, I had a lot more time to either spend on academics and the elective classes that I were take that I was taking or socially. And so in that way, then, then my attention, then any pressure was pivoted to, to different priorities. And then I felt pretty good about going to Google and, and joining their team. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the first year. And in the summer, Google was a grind. It was <laughs> extremely hard from day one to 11, 12 weeks later when I finished my internship. And were you in the Bay or is there a Google um, headquarters in LA? Yeah, I was in the Bay Area. So okay. I was working in their Sunnyvale office, which is in the South Bay. Okay, that's not their main, main headquarters, right? Right. Their main headquarters is in Mountain View, which is like 15 to 20 minute drive away. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so as an intern, especially at a company like Google, you know that they give returning offers. And so from day one, your goal is to get a returning offer. And even though Google is laid back, the culture is very much what you hear and read about. Like people would come in at 10, they would leave at four. Um, you know, there was food all around. You could go work out. You could ride your bike or ride a Google bike around the campus. You could get a massage. <laughs> you could do everything in your office, which was great if you worked there full time. Um, but as an intern, I really wanted to prove myself um, and to show that I could do that, the work and answer the questions and solve the, the question that they were trying to figure out by having me join as an intern on their team. 
And so I would get into the office around 8.30 each morning, and then I would leave at 7. And that was Monday through Friday for 12 weeks. So it was it was a lot, but it was a really great experience. I worked on some really cool projects with Google. I worked on their corporate finance team, and I was um, helping out with a marketing ROI project where I helped measure the effectiveness of Google's marketing spend. And then I helped with a YouTube TV project where I assessed how successful their YouTube TV sponsorship of the NBA finals was. Mm-hmm. And then my final project was to do a market research um, project on Stadia, which is Google's cloud gaming service, which was launching a few months after I was there. So really cool projects. I'm glad I got to do a lot, but it also required a lot of time for the summer um, which looked a little bit different than what you would expect. Got back on campus as a second year. And I mean, you know me today. I just am always doing something. And I think I bit off a little more than I should have. Um, but I started working at this cannabis company, which was great. And in the, in September, I was working three days a week. So in the fall quarter, that, that that's then, a that's like just your own hustle right that that that's not a like a requirement in the program to like have that job right exactly just completely voluntary and the reason why i did that was because i was just trying to get experience outside of the finance function so by mm-hmm. being in more marketing analytics and growth that was a way to do that before my full-time job um as well as <laughs> to make a little bit money, a little bit of money as well. And okay. so I was going in three days a week. I was leading the programming for a diversity conference that we have at UCLA each year called Embracing Diversity, which was in November. So I was doing that. I think I was in three classes at the time. And there was one other thing. Oh, and I had planned a sponsored trip for the Black Business Students Association to go to Afrotech, which was also in November. So my fall of my second year was also extremely busy, Um, but it was great, like working at the cannabis company, going to Afrotech and seeing so many professionals in the spaces where I wanted to be. And then um, also that diversity conference were great. Yeah. You know, I have mm-hmm. to say, you know, um, interestingly, my that would, that would be last fall. My fall was pretty busy as well. I was taking way more classes than I should or one more class than I should. And I was also driving to Providence, which is about an hour, eight, an hour away doing neuropsych assessments. And it was a slog, but it feels good to be busy, though, right? It does. It definitely does. Um, You know, like every day looked different, which was great. And there was always a new challenge. So I definitely did appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I had I remember like I would wake up, I would be tired and then I would go to sleep and I'd be tired. But I would feel very good, very accomplished. And when the weekend rolled around, you know, you got to turn up and whatnot. But um, (laughs) I feel you. I feel where you're coming from. It's a good feeling when you, you know, have a lot of things going on. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. And um, from there, the winter quarter, I would say, was more chill. I I wasn't looking for jobs at that point. I had gotten the Google offer but decided that I didn't want to take it. Um, But it was still early in the recruiting process for full time for what I wanted to do. So I wasn't recruiting. I was going into the cannabis company less, maybe like, two times a week and I was taking fewer classes as well. So that quarter was definitely more manageable and I just had the best spring lined up or so I thought I was going to start working a little bit more, but I would have fewer 
classes and I had all these great trips planned for the final spring quarter with my second year classmates and my first year classmates as well. I got I got to interject here. That looks different. I got to interject here, but RIP to Coachella of which we were both supposed to go to and enjoy together. Um, And I try to make an annual trip to LA or, or Las Vegas, the West coast. And that was supposed to be it. So RIP to that. Yeah. I was so excited to see you. I know we had talked about this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, the Coachella is like always, you know, the way people talk about it is just like, you know, you got to go. You have to go. It's just this amazing thing. And Travis Scott was supposed to be performing. And I'm a big fan of Travis Scott. Um, but I will look forward to whatever future awesome things we have. But tell us about some of those other trips you were you were um, thinking about doing or were planning on doing. Yeah. So the first trip that was coming my way was Ghana. I was so excited. That was going to be spring break. I have two very close classmates, close friends who are are my classmates who are from Ghana. And so they had planned this whole trek for 35 of us from Anderson. And we were supposed to be leaving, I don't know, maybe March 20th. And we had just, this had been in the works for, ooh, um, at least six months at that point. And so everyone was ex- extremely excited to go and coming off of the year of the return, seeing everyone there in December, it was just about to be a fantastic trip. So that was a sad one, but hopefully we still go. And then the next was going to be Coachella, as you mentioned. After Coachella, the weekend after, there's this event called Stanford Weekend where different business schools go to Stanford and they compete in various events. So there's like basketball and there's dancing and there's a band and there's tennis. So of course I had joined the tennis competition, but it's just a great way to interact with the people who are in the first year class, the second year class, interact with business school students from different schools um, and, and hang out. And so that was supposed to, supposedly really, really fun. And I didn't go last year because it was the same weekend as Coachella. So I was really excited that this year they were going to be different weekends. Um, that does sound super fun. Yeah. I was, I was really looking forward to that. Let's also, I don't think next. they wanted those tennis problems. So perhaps maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> it was good for them, but I wanted to get back out there. I wanted to <laughs> compete again. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um... Another event, not so much that we travel for it, but we have a prom called Ander Prom every year. And so that was going to be fun. I went last year, Um, but always just nice to dress up and have an Anderson sponsored party. And the weekend before we graduate, we have an event called Disorientation. So actually the weekend before we start school in August, our first year, we have a pre-orientation in Vegas. And so this is the pair, the counterpart disorientation. So it's like the last weekend before you graduate, everyone's still in LA. Last time you'll see people in this setting or see this group of people. And so everyone's always really excited for that. We had already started putting down our deposits and, you know, that that one's also in Vegas. Yeah, that one's okay. also in Vegas. And I didn't go to the pre-orientation Vegas trip, but um, I was looking forward to disorientation because of that. And yeah, so that one that one hurt too. <laughs> so there was like oh. three or four big events that we really missed out on. It hurts me because all of that sounds really fun. I'm just like thinking about being there, you know, thinking you know, just hanging out with you or whatever, I guess. And I'm like, I feel like I'm missing out. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, wow. It's been quite a, a time, right? Like this pandemic has just uprooted everything, but I, I can only hope that we become stronger, you know, as a nation, as a, as a planet 
after all of this subsides, if it ever subsides, but the way we transform because of this pandemic, I hope we become stronger. Um, but it's, uh, it's tough to hear some of those lost, um, celebrations. Uh, a lot of your friends from Emory are in my class and a lot of us are turning 30. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've seen a lot of RIPs to birthdays and whatnot. Um, I hope we can recoup somehow. Yeah, I will say um, it was the one thing <laughs> that I really enjoyed this year was that, as you know, I'm born on February 29th. And so I had a real birthday and the world was not shut down on February 29th, 2020. So I was still able to properly celebrate what comes around every four years. So I'm thankful <laughs> for that. I'm glad you brought that up because that that's a real fun birthday to have. So what do you wait? So you're you're like four years old, five years old, seven. <laughs> Happy seventh birthday. Um, uh, so what do you do for your? Okay, what did your parents do? Like, did they celebrate on the twenty eighth or March first, or they just didn't give you a birthday? <laughs> We celebrated on March 1st, actually. So their mentality, whoever it was, my mom or dad, I don't know where it started, but my birthday technically is the day after February 28th. That's how they justified March 1st. So on the years when it wasn't a leap, when there wasn't a leap day, we would always celebrate on March 1st. But as I got older, as I went to college, it's just, you realize that nobody knows when to say happy birthday. So a yeah. lot of friends just end up saying happy birthday both days. And then in college, like partying and having fun, I just want my birthday to be on the better party day. So if <laughs> the course. 28th was on a Thursday and the 29th was, or the 1st and March 1st was on a, a Friday, then that's the day that I would celebrate March 1st. But if the 28th was on a Saturday and March 1st was on a Sunday, then I would celebrate the 28th. So yeah. it's, it's great. I just, I feel like I get a little extra love because I have two days of people saying happy birthday to me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm still going with seven years old. Um, cause I think it's <laughs> fun and hilarious, but I mean, let's talk about all the things you accomplished before you were, you turned even seven, you graduated from Emory, you were on your way to graduating <laughs> from UCLA and graduated um, at age seven. Isn't that crazy? But, you know, actually what I want to talk about is are some of your um, accomplishments playing on the Emory women's tennis team. Um, the reason why I call you champ, but I, I should call you champ champ. You won two national championships which is incredibly impressive. Um, I was reading your page on emoryathletics.com. You went 20 and 0 in your last 20 matches? Or or last it says singles decisions. Is are those actual matches or or just um sets? Those must have been matches. I don't remember that stat, but that makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and well. um yeah, the reason why they would call it decisions is because it was actually like a completed match. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um you smashed the contender in your national championship game 6-2 and 6-1. Um I mean, this is I I never read it before. I knew that you were the champion. I was always impressed, but I didn't read like some of the stats. And you the only thing I can describe it as is is utter domination at least in your senior year. So I just got to say, you know, um, that's really cool. And I, I've always admired what you've done as a tennis player and at Emory. And I admire, you know, what you're doing now, going to business school, um, grinding, hustling, finding your way, uh, trying new industries that, you know, working in the cannabis, cannabis industry was pretty cool for a while. Um, okay. So, you know, as we wrap up the podcast, it was Wonderful to have you on. I want to ask about being a black woman in um, various business industries, being in uh, MBA program. I think, you know, with recent events with re related to uh, racial injustices, racial 
profiling police brutality, RIP George Floyd, we are starting to become more aware of um, disparities in so many industries, in so many industries. Uh, I just got to, I got, I just got to, you know, drop some knowledge for the podcast, but there are so few Spanish speaking neuropsychologists um, pretty much anywhere, but here in the Northeast. And it's, it's such a huge thing for someone to get a neuropsychological evaluation who doesn't speak English. It's, it's like pretty much impossible. So these disparities are being highlighted across the board. I'm curious what you've encountered, you know, since these um, things have come to light a little bit more. Um, and, and what, what is the prospectus as, as you are job searching and eventually starting in a new job? The first question was, what have I come across? Well, what, what's your experience like as a black woman in an MBA program, working in various business industries, oh. in entertainment, cannabis, et cetera? Yeah, so in business school, there's definitely very few black people um, across the board, not only at UCLA, but at a lot of the top business schools. And so sometimes that can be tough because you just look around and you see 300, 400, 500 of your classmates are white. And not only that, um, they tend to skew male, like Anderson was 33% female. And so it's tough that you surround yourself every day with people that look differently than you, but you also or at least I have to realize that that's what business is going to look like as I graduate. And so it's something that I need to um, get comfortable with, but also to give attention to, to figure out ways for, to enact change. And so as a black woman at Anderson, I was very involved in diversity efforts. One, because Anderson is pretty student led, which is great, but two, at the same time, because, I'm passionate about bringing more people of color to business and and women of color. And so that meant that, again, as you heard me explain, like I was leading the programming for this diversity conference that we have. It means being really involved in our Black Business Students Association and being an ally to um, the Anderson Latino Management Association and um, out at Anderson association that we have. And so on top of those other three priorities that I mentioned before, that's something that I'm taking on as a student, whereas maybe that's not something a white classmate of mine is taking on. And so it's definitely something I think about as I am graduating and looking for companies to join is one, how much outside of my job responsibilities will I be dedicating to these different diversity efforts and to will the companies that I work for value that. And so, um, yeah, but between just the everyday business school or the cannabis industry, there's 10 of us, there actually was another black woman. So, um, pretty high percentage, (laughs) two out of 10, uh, relative to what I've seen previously, but I definitely think in the everyday business tasks that I've had because of the current situation or because of um, just the need for more diverse voices to be at the table, I've seen how businesses are looking to diverse populations more. So like at the cannabis industry or cannabis company, we would think through what kind of influencers are we bringing onto our platform? Are they, um, you know, what, which communities are they reaching? Is it reaching just like skinny white people who do yoga? Or are we going to look at different body types and different, um, different people of color, things like that. And so I think where we're shifting because of this time right now, and you see, on Twitter, you see on Instagram just how all these businesses are thinking, like, how can we connect with the black community, which is great. And a lot of a lot of this should have, should have been happening. But because of the current situation, they just they know that it has to happen now or else 
then people will look down on these companies. And so I anticipate that when I get a job, there will definitely be more initiative taken to these diverse um, topics than there was in the past. Right, right. Yeah. I imagine that over the years, you'll be a driving force in helping those changes come to be. Um, on my side, the American Psychological Association, I think, has made some pretty strong strides in making statements. Um, I mean, the field of mental health is pretty um, inclusive of everyone's experience, um, although the history is wrought with a lot of injustice. Uh, and Northeastern, my university, I think they've made some some statements. They've enacted some things. They sent an email. I probably should pay more attention to it. Um, so at least from my perspective, it, it seems like some pretty important changes are being made. Um, from your perspective, whether it's UCLA or national business organizations or MBA student organizations, um, ha- have you seen these larger entities sort of like really drive home some of the changes and, and actually start to enact changes? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. Like sounds like some hesitancy. Definitely hesitancy. Um, part, partly because I'm not as familiar as, with some of the other institutions and I'm just trying to think of what Anderson has done, but the progress is slow, but it's getting better each year. So for example, the, the class of 2022 is going to have the most black students that to my knowledge, there's ever been in one, um, in one class. And my year was also one of the highest at the time when we came in. And so through the students who are driving a lot of those conversations and our administration being receptive to what we're saying, they are then taking those conversations into account when they're thinking about the the makeup of their future classes. And so I definitely think the institutions are doing it, um, but there's, there's just a lot, there's a lot of things to get done. Like, for example, I'm not only thinking of the students, but something me and my classmates talk about a lot is how our professors, they bring in guest speakers. And especially in our elective classes, guest speakers will come in almost every single week. However, almost very, very few of those professors bring in Black guest speakers and if they do, it may be like one person um, the entire quarter. And so conversations that we've had with administration is that they need to put more pressure on these professors to bring in people who are who look different so that it's more representative of the students that they're bringing in each year and who are in those classes. And again, Anderson has been receptive. They've heard those conversations and they're trying to change things where, um, you know, where that is included in what a professor like has to do for the quarter. But, you know, had we said anything, had we not said anything, they probably wouldn't have taken that initiative to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've been thankful that Anderson is willing to listen to students um, and trust that we um, have the best interest of the school in mind and are thinking about future classes. And um, at the same time, I think that Anderson can just do more, give us more resources, um, add more people who are focused on diversity to take the load off of people whose job it isn't. But um, they're doing, they're doing a good job so far each year we're improving and it's probably the same way at other business schools as well, which is good. Right. Right. It's good to hear, um, some changes are being enacted. Um, 
I think that the main point of concern, whether it's at Anderson or across the nation or across the globe, is that we have encountered um, police killings before. We've encountered protests, um, very big and meaningful protests, and yet we still have to struggle with these injustices. So it's a matter of whether meaningful change can occur can occur and happen. Um, but I am a big believer that you will be a part of it uh, as a black woman in an industry, whether it's in business, I presume entertainment as well. Um, black women are underrepresented. So keep doing the good people's work, Gabby. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Yes, I will. Okay. Um, all right. Well, this was a great conversation. Um, as I said earlier, you know, I just wanted to get an, an idea of what, what you're going through now, because in five years and 10 years, I well, maybe it will be me. Hopefully maybe the podcast will blow up, but I won't be the one interviewing you. It's going to be someone else, someone way more important. Um, <laughs> And you're going to be talking about some of the really cool things you have done and are doing. So I want I want to get that timestamp now so we can go back and, and learn a little bit about what Gabby was going through. Because when you end up on the big stage, um, when you continue to do the good people's work, work for good pe- the good people, um, you know, I you know, I, I think it's it'll be cool to, to learn a little bit more about um these times where are they now uh gabby <laughs> thank you so much for joining us um this is rtbth any last words uh i just want to come back in five years so put me on the calendar oh well you know what we <laughs> are i'm always down to talk the, the he and hersh are always down to talk so um whenever you got some hot takes we will be happy to have you on but on the calendar let's make it happen this is rtbth we out. <laughs>